Well, today I am again joined by Yako Funsale, and I'm glad we get a chance to have part two, another conversation. Mm. I really enjoyed our talk we had. I was a month or month and a half ago or so, and uh, I felt like we got into a lot of topics that oh, yeah. you opened up some ways of looking at things that were new to me, and I, mm. I always really, really appreciate that. So um, thank you for yeah. being with me again today. It's lovely to be here again. Let's see what um, what will come out of this talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and if you have anything in particular you want to branch off of of what we talked about last time, I would be um, I would love to explore those things deeper. But also, there are some things that I've been thinking about that I wonder if you might want to want to delve into. Is there anything that that is at the forefront of your mind right now that you think would be a good starting point, or should I just prompt you? Well, um, I think what's been happening recently um, in the news has been um, we just came out of Pride Month, mm -hmm. and that has been quite um, a messy affair, um, mm -hmm. to, to, to say the least. And I'm saying it, and I hate to say that, but as a gay man. Mm -hmm. um, but Pride Month has been, has been quite a mess. Um, and with it also some developments around the victory of the LGB alliance over mermaids there in the UK was a vexatious um, court case that was brought by mermaids and they lost as they should have lost. It was okay. vexatious to begin with. And that was a, that was, that, that was a good development. I don't know the but details of justice. that case. What was the case? Yeah. Look, I don't know the intricate details, but uh, Mermaids, a few years ago, Mermaids um, brought a case against LGB Alliance. And LGB Alliance is, um, was formed by two lesbian women. And their main complaint is that the transgender trend these days has eliminated lesbians, um, and mm -hmm. in many cases, uh, even effeminate gay men, mm -hmm. um, in that they would just interfere by claiming that if you are a butch lesbian or you're an effeminate man, you're probably transgender. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't accept it, you're transphobic. Um, so there is a, there is a, there, there has been quite a big push against the encroaching of gay and lesbian spaces and bisexual spaces mm -hmm. by trans activists and by implication also um, the ideology. <clears throat> and in response to that, uh, Mermaid, which is um, a pro-trans activist group, um, brought a court case um, and accused the LGB alliance of, of transphobia mm. um, and demanded that they should uh, be shut down and that they, that, they, that they shouldn't spread the message of opposition against transgender ideology. Um, £250,000 later, and the mermaids lost, and LGB Alliance won, as they should have. Um, so that was that was some interesting developments. Um, and then just this week, 21 experts wrote to the Endocrine Society in the USA, in Washington, pointing out the dangers of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones in the medical transitioning of minors, mm -hmm. which is an interesting development too. 
um, it is a bit overdue. Um, it's, it's, I mean, the evidence has been in for quite some time already, but it is good to see that some people are finally speaking out against this radicalization of of, of ideology to, to the extent that it negatively affects and have a damaging effect on the most vulnerable in our society, namely children. Mm-hmm. And children seem to be the target of radicals. It's it's easy to influence and to destabilize and disorientate children. And they also make easy foot soldiers for ideologues and radicals. Um, it's also interesting to see you know, along this note that one, well, two actually prominent psychoanalysts have started to speak out against woke ideology. Don Carveth um, and Daniel Burston, Don Carveth in particular, he recently released on Apple iTunes a talk against the type of defenses we encounter in the woke movement. And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, finally, one of the big shots is saying something. About nine months ago, a man by the name of Dave Pilgrim, he also published a book on identity politics and the psychoanalysis of identity politics and where identity politics has gone too far. That's nine months ago. Um, for some reason, that that book didn't get as much attention as I would have hoped it did. But I think gradually more and more psychoanalysts would also, will, will also start speaking out against this mad trend we're seeing around us. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no philosophical sophistic, sophistication in it anymore. Mm-hmm. It is just reactionary. It is destructive. It is contrarian disagreeing for the sake of disagreement, offering nothing new, nothing creative. It is just destructive. It is like we discussed previously, large group narcissistic regression. They've just dug in their heels and they're out for the kill. There's no dialogue possible anymore. And that is why they're so bent on cancellation. Um, And I think as a society, we have reached a bit of an impasse around work ideology. There is also a type of, uh, you know, a bit of exhaustion, exasperation, impatience that have developed around work ideology. And uh, from my observations, more and more, you know, general public people, people from the general public, are starting to get sufficiently educated around this ideology the radical the radicalization that it that it that the, the radicalizing effect that it has on society and more people are, are losing their patience with it and i think this is a necessary development it does not mean that it will just blow over you see there's too much at stake maybe we can talk about that a bit what I mean by this too much at stake, the differences between the woke and the non-woke involve deal-breaker issues. One of those deal-breaker issues would be the mutilation, one, secondly, the sexualization, two, of children. 
and to many people, myself included, I wasn't ever uh, a huge fan of the rainbow flag and the collectivist movement around the LGBTQIA plus movement. Mm. I could just never identify with that. It was in principle, such such movements tend to be very susceptible to radicalization to begin with. <clears throat> it's very difficult to control the, 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 the hive mind. It is difficult to keep the hive, the mob, sufficiently reality connected. Like we said previously, the mob has very limited reality contact, especially when um, large group regression is, is triggered. And they have desire, they have fear, they have aggression. And the desire, fear, and, regression, uh, and aggression are, are, are all around real or reimagined historical injury. Um, and like we discussed previously, Vamek Volkan's model, <clears throat> when there is instigation or where there is, where, where there is a radicalizing ideology, where there is just something in the near and the year and the now happening resembling something of the past there is a, a type of illusory time collapse that takes place and in the year and the now then people enact or act out historical conflicts and it's illusory because i mean they enacted upon an identified target but the identified target is not the historical person it's a person the year and the now. And because of that, the only end to such um, conflict is usually protracted discrimination, even physical conflict and, and attacks. Um, bloodshed. And that is, I mean, that is something that we don't want. <clears throat> um, so... Um, where was I? Where, where, where am I going with this? Um, so as you're describing, you're describing this process of people, figures in the culture starting to come out and speak mm. about this in an analytical and rational way, which sort of dismantle. Yeah. I don't even want that word yes. anymore. It's such a, yeah, such no, a catchy no. word with them, but it's dismantling mm. the woke agenda. Really. You've got these people finally standing up and, and really, um, taking a clear stance and calling it out for what it is. And it for feels it is, like yeah. there's been a, like, uh, like a collective breath holding going on over the past several years. We were all waiting for someone to do this, you know, all these people in smaller conversations going, what the heck is going on? Meanwhile, no large scale cultural response to this. And it's just being allowed to, to run rampant and 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 so it's it's time it, it's time for this it's past time mm. for this and it's good but what you're saying is it's it's not going to spell immediate dissolution of this thing it's there's no. still there are going to be some there's some unraveling to do and and some yeah. long-term effects yes so there is a lot at stake I said, so mm -hmm. if you think about it now, and, and again, it involves deal breaker issues such as the medical, the, the mutilation of ch the children's mm -hmm. bodies and mm -hmm. sexualization of children. Let's think you are involved in this woke worldview and this woke trend. Politicians, mm -hmm. 
whole media houses, mm-hmm. universities, NGOs, organizations, big business. Then we can take we can we can go further down. Schools, parents, mm. professionals, medical professionals, specialists. Mm-hmm. So many of these people have committed blindly, some blindly. I, th- I would I would go as far as saying the the minority of them may have done this blindly, but a large majority of them have really um, gone in for the kill. And, and this is the narcissistic appeal behind pseudo-moralistic, resentment-based entitlement ideologies. It appears to it appeals to the narcissism. Um, of the individual, but also of the mob. Mm -hmm. And they have contributed to the deterioration of society. What a shame. Mm -hmm. What an absolute historical scandal. And how horrible it would be to carry such a blight. Mm -hmm. That knowledge, I mean, those people will be around for decades still. But to have within yourself, whether people on the outside know it or not, to have within yourself that knowledge that you have directly, indirectly contributed to such severe threatening of our society, Mm -hmm. something horrible to bear. It's something that the ego wants to protect itself against. Right, exactly. And I want to Mm -hmm. tell you a story now to illustrate Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Um, Several years ago, I read this experience and you know i'm a former jehovah's witness and um this is an experience of a of a couple a jehovah's witness couple they were very devout i think it was back in australia they had a boy a leukemia mm-hmm. or a rare um, um, blood condition but it was lethal and we know one of the very radical doctrines of the jehovah's witnesses would be their refusal of blood transfusion either mm-hmm. whole blood or um, blood components, um, platelets, erythrocytes, leukocytes, and plasma. And as part of this boy's treatment, he required blood transfusion. The parents refused because they were jo- jo- devout Jehovah's Witnesses, and they flew him around all over the world to try and get bloodless treatment of this you know, for this boy in his condition. They exhausted everything that they could, and ultimately they could not save this boy. Mm-hmm. But they refused blood still. I think this boy was, I think, 11 mm-hmm. when he eventually died. Now, one with, so the question is, did that death of an innocent child based on something as flimsy from a biblical perspective, as a refusal to accept that blood transfusion, did that tragic event bring them to their senses? Mm. No. On the contrary, in response to that boy's death, both parents gave up their full-time jobs and they became full-time missionaries Mm. of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. They dug in their heels 
the ego, the self-concept, couldn't bear the devastating guilt of having contributed directly to the death of your own boy. And that is the same we're going to see with wokeism. They are going to dig in their heels. Mm-hmm. Parents who sent their, min- their minor children for medical transitioning will dig in their heels. They could not bear the guilt, the mm-hmm. devastation of knowing that they did that. Um, the thing of the legal fees uh, that doctors will have to pay, the reputation damage, large media houses, all the money involved in that, politicians, the worst kind of people we have around us these days, politicians digging in their heels. So the fight is far from over, and this is a fight. I wish it wasn't a fight, mm-hmm. but this is a fight in narcissistic um regression you are positioned within the paranoid split either as one of them or as the other that needs to be obliterated so whether you like it or not you're embroiled in a fight Mm -hmm. can't escape it Um, but our response to this is something um, is, is, is a necessary topic we need to discuss as well because it is easy for us to participate in the split and to mindlessly respond destructively as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't think sharp and comedic responses to something that is obviously ridiculous is a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it can become quite ugly. Um, and that is where we need to think about what you, for instance, mentioned. Um, um, good arguments, solid evidence, um, continuous deliberation, continuous discussion of what is going on, um, changing the awareness of the masses, those who have not been radicalized. Some of those who have been radicalized may also during this time come to their senses, and and many have. Mm -hmm. Um, But to continue this and also around leadership it is necessary for prominent figures to grow a spine and to stand up and to risk their risk the loss of their reputation and speak what they believe to be true on a side note i don't use the expression speak your truth there's no such thing as your truth and my truth that's a postmodern perversion of reality there is only our perception of the truth Mm-hmm. So speak your perception of the truth, speak your understanding of the truth and explain why you came to that understanding. Um, and then also even from the other side, in other words, those who have not been radicalized, those of us who have you know, seen through this facade, the destructiveness of it, to support leaders who are not instigators either. That and that that makes me when you're talking about positioning yourself within the split. Mm. Uh, do you see no, do no. you see it making Sorry. sense or positioning yourself? But do you, as positioning oneself as a bridge between the two instead of a, yeah 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 they position you they position mm-hmm. you within mm-hmm. the split. So mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, they will yeah. force you into the split. Okay, you you That's don't true. need and... to necessarily play into it. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And that that's something that we see over and over where, and I've just been talking about it this week with a couple of people where you, um, you see any, even a very nuanced criticism is, is slandered as, as if it were the, mm. the worst. So it's like, you mm. can't raise a little criticism of this without being no. um, a white supremacist, a transphobe. Mm. I mean, any, any small criticism mm. of the ideology is you might as well be completely on the polar side. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, it's narcissistic because any criticism isn't criticism. It's an attack. Mm-hmm. Disagree- disagreement isn't disagreement. Mm-hmm. It is hate. Mm-hmm. It's very dramatic. Right. You know, they take it very personal. Yeah. Um, yeah, but. So then does it make sense? Anyway. Is it is it possible to, uh, and this is, I'm, I'm, this is, I guess, my whole way of thinking is not to be, not to accept that polarization and not to become radically opposite something, but rather to position yourself in the middle of something where you can see, you can offer a bridge and you can be aware and just, um, I guess, I guess have compassion for the experience that it would be to come back from something like that. I, I the, the walking back of something, as you describe that, you know, in that, that anecdote about the family, the parents having to come back mm. from from that, they dig in further. Yeah. And and as you point out, there's all these different groups, all these different categories in society. We've got teachers, doctors, politicians, business people, and yeah. on and on who have who have been at the vanguard of this movement and who are not going to come back from that easily, who are going to dig further in. Is there a way to offer a bridge or, or is that just wishful thinking? Mm. Well, that is a difficult one. <clears throat> um, because it's part of the human experience. I mean, it's part of, you can understand how they could, they could be where they are. You, well, yes, you can, but you see, there is also utility. There is also utility in punishment. <laughs> There's also utility in recompense and mm-hmm. in reparation. Mm-hmm. Um, and many, many such people, you know, and I'm, I'm talking from personal experience too, <clears throat> working in the prison service. Um, I, for instance, I'm, I'm thinking of one particular person who said, so he had been involved in, in pedophilia mm, okay. and, and this person said, when I got caught and I could pay for my sins even though it was the worst day of my life, it was it was also the day of greatest relief in my life. I think that is also um, that is also the the, the function of a, a punitive or a penal mm-hmm. system, um, because collectively, collectively we feel that justice is being served, and obviously, a penal system is supposed to be. Uh, is, is supposed to rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to. It's supposed to be corrective. South Africa, the, the expression is correctional services. Mm-hmm. Uh, supplied is a different story, but at least the awareness is there. The aim is to correct. The aim is to reconcile. Mm-hmm. And for reconciliation, there's got to be some consequences as well. Otherwise, it does feel incomplete. But it needn't be 
devastating. It needn't it needn't contribute to the deterioration of our society. Mm-hmm. So um, offering the bridge doesn't mean surrendering your standards. Offering the bridge means that you stick to what you believe to be true, but your approach isn't destructive and spoiling. Your approach is communicative, deliberative. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does not mean that you cheaply excuse the other person's position. You may so-called stick to your guns Mm -hmm. if you're convinced of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But there is communication, there's dialogue, there's a desire to understand, there is, there is, you you respect the other enough to take the time to explain yourself in the hope that the other will understand you. There's no guarantee, though, that they will. You have to be able to sit with that patience, to be be patient with that reality, too. Mm -hmm. And we have the, we have the the problem with bad faith actors and instigators, too. Um, And it, it is it is tricky to deal with bad faith actors, very tricky, because they position themselves in a in a perverse interpersonal dynamic. Maybe this is something we can talk about too. <clears throat> so that is okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Remember last time we talked about discourse. <clears throat> Work discourse, the discourse of resentment. Mm-hmm. And in resentment, the self is idealized, the other the other is um is de-idealized or um devalued. Mm-hmm. And that then gives the justification to destroy what the other has, because that is a thing I desire and I consider it unfair that the other has what I desire. And therefore, if I destroy what they have, then at least neither of us will have it. And I won't sit with the pain of desire mm. and the pain of the awareness of lack. Um, and this is a very, very primitive defense. It is it's, um, pathological envy or primitive envy. Um, if this defense is not adequately resolved with a sense of guilt, with um, a sense of remorse. Mm. And that remorse is adequately processed through ritual, uh, through symbol, through, again, deliberation, through reconciliation. If that isn't adequately resolved, um, the person will be stuck in the primitive envious state. In that primitive envious state, if it matures, it leads to perversion. Perversion goes something like this, where I experience the limitation imposed upon me as something so unworthy, something the other doesn't dare do because I'm self-idealized, remember, I'm stuck in envy that it would give me the greatest of pleasure to violate, to transgress the imposition upon me. Will you say that again? I'm so I'm so idealized, mm-hmm. and what is imposed upon me feels like it strips me of that which I feel entitled to. That it would give me no greater pleasure than to transgress, to violate, 
the restriction that is being placed upon me. Okay. That is the perverse state. It is the primitive envious state maturing. Um, <clears throat> and this we see also in this woke movement, especially among <clears throat> those adherents of queer theory. Mm -hmm. Remember, we also said that um, many philosophical um, adventures is mere philosophical sophistication of very basic um, defenses or very basic dynamics. We said, for instance, that the, 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 the um, resentment-based philosophy of wokeism is based on envy. But among the woke um, philosophies, queer theory is perhaps one of the most obvious philosophical sophistications of perversion. Because pe queer theory goes out of, you know, it, 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 it's an approach to, to society where anything and everything that's prohibitive is an invitation for violation. Mm -hmm. And that just there is a formulation of perversion. Mm -hmm. And when we think of perversion, we, we tend to think of it in terms of the sexual perversions. And many times it does play out in the sexual perversions. <clears throat> but it's not necessarily only the sexual perversions. It is also um, in, the aggressive, you know, in, in aggressively acting out. Mm. Um, where, without any sexual connotation, that can also be perverse. Um, in sadism, without any sexual con connotation. I mean, masochism too, again, without any sexual connotation. Um, so, but what, what we do see, especially among, among the woke, is this glamorization of violating um, restriction that is imposed upon us. Um, and and sadly, we also see this in the most recent cases of sexualization of children in schools, mm -hmm. right? In the US, for instance, in those parents' meetings and school board meetings. I mean, there were hundreds of those, isn't it? It just shows you to what extent this, ideolo uh, this ideology has infiltrated people from various backgrounds, from various walks of life, geographical areas, um, areas, such that they, such that teachers, librarians would be okay with this sexualization of children. It's, it's, it's astonishing to me, you know, mm -hmm. and also with the recent pride, pride month, the images and videos that came out of it, half-naked men and women parading around, parents bringing their young children to witness such behavior, nudists walking around. I saw one video where children were walking among nudists, and one man had a semi-erection. I mean, how could that, in any sane society, mm -hmm. how could anyone defend that? That is perversion right in front of our eyes. It just shows you to what extent society has become desensitized to it. Mm -hmm. And the weakness of a sane society is both its strength but also its weakness. 
is its ability to feel guilt. Because only a sane society weakened by guilt, weakened by toxic empathy, weakened by a disorientated conscience would tolerate something like that. I want to read you something. Okay. Um, no. I'll it okay. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, psychoanalysis now. <clears throat> Wilfred Bion. And he described this so nicely in his book, Learning from Experience. <clears throat> what was the author's name again? Wilfred? Wilfred Beyond, B-I-O-N. And um, chapter 28, he says here, it is necessary to understand this, to, 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 to see the dynamic between the perverse subject and the neurotic other, or the perverse subject and the same society that has a conscience that's 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 susceptible to guilt mm -hmm. because this is what the pervert does they manipulate using guilt mm -hmm. and it says here um it's in chapter 28 it says insofar as its resemblance to the superego is concerned um and then it uses a a, a a symbol it just means when transformation is not um, is, is, is not toward growth. It's not toward maturity. Okay. In other words, it's regressive. So it's like a maladaptive okay. transformation. Maladaptive transformation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Shows itself as a superior object asserting its superiority by finding fault with everything. Okay. The most important characteristic is its hatred of anything of any new development in the personality, as if the new development were a rival to be destroyed. Mm. Okay, attack on linking, attack on, 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 on growth. Positive growth, yeah. Positive growth. The emergence, therefore, of any tendency to search for the truth, to establish contact with reality, and in short, to be scientific in no matter how rudimentary a fashion, is met by destructive attacks on the tendency and the reassertion of the moral superiority. So they would come even with moral arguments. This implies an assertion of what is what in sophisticated terms would be called a moral law and a moral system as superior to scientific law and the scientific system. He carries on saying, in other terms, it can be seen as implying an attempt to retain a power to arise to arouse guilt as an essential capacity hmm. um, the power to arouse guilt is essential and appropriate to the operation of projective identification in a relationship between infant and the omnipotent other hmm. So that's that really powerful. That's really powerful. That is powerful. It's going to take a lot of digesting. But isn't it? Is it? Isn't what we see? Mm -hmm. How could society be weakened to such an extent as to tolerate what is obviously destructive? 
And what do we hear from from these activists and those who fall for the rhetoric? We need to be tolerant. Mm-hmm. You know, oh no, really? A f- a- apology. Mm-hmm. We apologize, left, right, and center. And, we, and isn't it interesting? From all the apology, we've seen a quelling, a quenching of the woke's hatred and burning desire to destroy. No, no, no it, in, only, it inflames only it. a flaring up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So part of the resolution in this dynamic is to have leaders who have a strong position of what they stand for and mm-hmm. to stand by that position, to do it respectfully and in a digni- dignified way, nonetheless, but to erect the paternal function. Mm-hmm. In other words, paternal function is the infant's encounter of the no and to stand by that no and to explain that no but to stand by it nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this weakening of society through its own guilt, that has been also society's greatest downfall. This area that you're that you're raising of the, the sexualization of children. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah, this brings me to something that I've been really <clears throat> pondering a lot lately because it seems like so many of the so many of the boundaries that have been broken in the recent years mm. have been around sexuality and you brought mm. up pride and, uh, and that the, there's, so, there's a link, it seems with all of these things there's, and I, I guess I wonder, so we see the sexualization of minors. We see the, the transgender trend where um, we have people actually experimenting on children's bodies in the name of mm. harm reduction <laughs> and, and, <laughs> And a, a completely new way of thinking about sexuality, introducing the ideas mm. to younger and younger people. At the same time, there was a plan, Planned Parenthood put out this. I just was talking about this in another conversation I recorded this week. But Planned Parenthood put out this tweet where they they said, um, "Don't yuck someone's yum, someone else's yum." kink don't kink shame and they had this little gif with all these like brightly colored sex toys doing a little dance around so this is this is like on their twitter page there it's you don't kink shame we should be all for everything and and everything's fine everything's no holds barred there's Mm. it's this Mm. the sex positive thing that's coming alongside of the um the advancement of surrogacy this promotion of surrogacy at the same time as we have abortion laws that are going through that are allowing abortion into late stages of pregnancy, even up till birth. What it's in, in every way are uh, what 10 years ago would have passed for sexual morality has been changed so much. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about pedophilia. That's like the the one that people talk about. This is, this is all going to lead up to pedophilia. Well, it certainly seems like that's not a far leap at this point, but, no. but it's already, it, it's, it's already, yeah, it's already there. But if you're going to have a no against some of these things, even the, the non-monogamy that's being, you know, so much more um, widely promoted and discussed, what is your no based on? And that, that what's the basis yeah. for, for proper, what is that? What does the word proper even mean? I guess am I, I'm I'm finding myself going in these postmodern mm. loops around these issues. If you mm. don't have, it's easy if you use religion as your underpinning because there you have it. There's your yeah. code. Yeah. 
but in a mm. secular society, how do you establish what what's what does sexual morality mean, and and how do we know that it's wrong when you see those people walking around in the pride parade and the uh, nude around the children? How do you know that that's wrong? What do we base that on? Yeah, theistic religion has been a powerful hold against the demon hordes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, it is necessary to to remember that <clears throat> theistic religion didn't just fall out of the blue. Many people believe that. I mean, I get that, but it didn't just fall out of the blue. It was developed um, over over many centuries, millennia. Um, many societies have experimented with some of these practices, mm-hmm. and many of the societies have either died out have been conquered by other societies um, or have become so dysfunctional that that they're not really worth emulating at all. Um, so um, don't shame another person's yum or what? Um, yeah, so what we what we what we hear in in something like that would be the encouragement um of um exploring and pursuing ultimate pleasure fulfillment and that is the pleasure principle mm-hmm. that freud also referred to and our society has built up so much resources and society is so far away from um from from from, from issues around immediate survival that many people can afford pursuing something like that, and mm-hmm. they can wreak havoc. They can wreak havoc on, on on their own bodies. Society has developed sophisticated medicine on their own psyches. They can go for lifelong psychotherapy. Hopefully, they won't um, find a work therapist that would consider them to continue doing that. Um, they will be um, ruining of relationships families, unwanted pregnancies, more abortions, trauma from such abortions, it will eventually spill over into larger communities. It will further spill over into larger society, and it will have a deteriorating effect on our society, whether we like it or not. And and, and um, those most vulnerable will suffer the most those who do not have the means, financial means, mm-hmm. to go for medical and psychological interventions, and children, they will suffer the most. And we will see it. But you see, the thing about the pervert is, it is <clears throat> it is both saboteur and the one who offers the decoy. Mm. It both... It, it it it's both responsible for sticking or putting a stick in its own spokes while while riding the bicycle and being angry at the stick for falling over that is what the pervert does it just refuses to take responsibility because it is self idealized it it couldn't be you know what they suffer couldn't be their own doing due to their own doing 
the pervert refuses to take responsibility. It has an inc- it's, it's not capable of feeling guilty because feeling guilty means I need to bear the consequences and I need to take, take responsibility and accountability, not only for what I did, for, for, for what I did to myself, but also for the consequence of what I did to others. What's well, cutting off your and nose to that, spite your face? Something like that. Mm-hmm. So in a, in, in a society like this, so they ruin children. They mm-hmm. say, so, so they say, even after transitioning, oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, even after transitioning, there's no obvious improvement of the mental health of, tra- mm-hmm. of, of gender dysphoric children. I refuse to use it with transgender children because it is a artificial creation. It's a it's gender dysphoric children. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a trans child. Mm-hmm. You know a bit of Foucault. You know that sometimes things get reified. In other words, things things get created as a thing that aren't something to begin with. It is mm-hmm. artificially created. A trans child is artificially created. We have children that are gender dysphoric. Mm-hmm. Um, so they say, oh, okay, we see that the, the, these children are, you know, have been depressed. Some of them have been autistic. <clears throat> and by the way, the risk. So, the, so the prevalence. So the. Ooh, I'm digressing now. I'll do it nevertheless. So in Sweden, there was a, a recent study that came out showing that um, trans, the, the gender dysphoric persons are seven times more likely to be suicidal and even attempt suicide than non-transgender people. And it's an enormous study. There's Mm -hmm. very good validity. But if you look at the details of the society, of of the study, Mm -hmm. the trans sample had six times more um, psychiatric comorbidities than mm-hmm. the non-trans sample to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if we assume, which is a valid assumption, since the, 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 the prevalence among the, the, the you know, transgender people is so high, that a large proportion of those with psychiatric comorbidities would be people with autism. And if we compare that to a, a second study, also from Sweden a year earlier, indicating that the people with autism are three times as likely as those without autism to be suicidal and even attempt suicide. The 7.7 times more likely to be suicidal among the trans sample makes sense. And by the way, the trans sample was 60% male, 40% female, whereas the non-trans sample was Mm 50-50. We also know that males, especially those with psychiatric comorbidities, tend to be more aggressive in terms of self-harm and suicide. Mm-hmm. So there's an explanation for it. It's certainly, it's, you, you can't just say it's due to society. Mm-hmm. And that is something that they love to say. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they have a situation here where they transition children, even some adults, and the, 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 the depression... Uh, the post-traumatic stress disorder, the anxiety, the self-hatred, other co- comorbidities do, do not lift. Mm-hmm. But then they pro- also provide the decoy. Oh, it must be society. Mm-hmm. It's just a flat refusal. It's cherry-picking. It is cherry-picking. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I said it is rushing to, to, to fulfill the pleasure principle. You can only go that far until reality will catch up with you. And reality, objective reality, is part of the know or the law of the Father. It's part of the paternal function. And um, it, it, you, society will deal with it. And I, I just hope that society will respond in time and that, the, that society, whether it's theistic or not, could glean from the old wisdoms um, so as to install these values, that people can take a stand, grow a spine, live mm. by these values, not only for the sake of themselves, but also for the sake of generations coming. So, Wokeism is inherently nihilistic. And they don't think basis they is, don't think beyond themselves. One is life supporting, and one is the opposite. And remember, is, biophilic is, necrophilic. Is that too simple? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's absolutely that. Yeah. It's absolutely that. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You mentioned that you had almost an immediate rejection, even early on, of the rainbow flag and the collectivism of LGBTQ plus. What is the acronym now? The ever-growing acronym. What was it that mm. stood out for you, even early on, that said this isn't something I want to be involved in? The lewdness, mm. right from the beginning. Mm. The shameless, ugly, um, yeah, it's just something I couldn't I couldn't associate with it. The shamelessness. The gratuitous, pleasure-seeking. Mm. 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 The promiscuity, the perversion. Um, I just couldn't associate with it. Mm. Not at and all. What told you that that was wrong? What What was that for you? Well, this is even after I came out as gay. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What told me it was wrong? Look, I was great. I was raised in a Christian household. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just getting my throat here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to um, to look back on that and say where mm. where did you you? Mm-hmm. It sounds like you had a a, a deep response to that yourself seeing that and just saying no i reject that i don't want to be a part of that and i yeah so i i grew up in a in a christian household in in south africa um protestant religion Mm -hmm. um the africana i think 98 percent would be protestant no not many roman catholics even fewer muslims um so there was a there was a there was a, a clear position around homosexuality. Mm-hmm. I grew up very conflicted, and a lot of my early childhood emotional ordeals would be would have been around my sexuality. Mm-hmm. I was very much opposed to my own sexuality growing up. Mm. Um, when I wasn't, you know, during my my high school years, and also my my parents got divorced. Um, we became Jehovah's Witnesses, and I remained a Jehovah's Witnesses until my mid-twenties. So obviously that was also a, a re- re- resistance of my own sexuality. Mm-hmm. But I exited, 
And I knew that I had to address this and I had to resolve this issue around sexuality. And I did a lot of my own research. In fact, my master's thesis was on conversion therapy and motivations and experiences of, in my, in my research, men who have entered religious, it was mostly religious conversion therapy uh, attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was towards my late 20s when I finally resolved um, my resistance towards my, my own homosexuality. And I um, and, and, and even from the psychoanalytic literature, um, I realized that it's something that you cannot, some forms of homosexuality, you, you cannot change. Sexuality is a very complex thing. I say mm-hmm. some forms of homosexuality because there are diverse forms of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a landmine, because it's such a, such, such a minefield. Even Otto Kernberg, in one of his, he's a psychoanalyst, <clears throat> he distinguishes between early onset homosexuality and late onset homosexuality. In my mm. case, it would be early onset. Mm. He says the, uh, political activism is um, such a restraint, such an obstacle to actual research in sexuality mm. because they're not prepared to take. Um, objective results from it. They not pre- they want their ideology to prevail. The imposition mm-hmm. again, the pervert's imposition of their will onto reality, violating it and taking pleasure of it and celebrating it. But even after my resolution, my full embrace of my own sexuality, I just I just I just couldn't associate with the larger movement of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. blah blah. Um, because what I what I saw represented um, just something that that I don't think any sane society could could survive. Hmm. Um, because it was always teetering on that on that on that edge of going overboard. Always, whether it, whether through through language, through behavior, always pushing the boundary, pushing the boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't adequate appreciation of the reality principle of the paternal function, mm. adequate restraint, and with within that restraint, flourishing. It is possible to to, to flourish. In fact, even in, in art and design, you need to have a brief. Not to say draw something. You have to have a brief, and within that restriction, there's there's something creative that that that, that comes out. And that was something that I saw lacking in this marginal and radical minority group. Um, so without limitation, just the forever expanding mutations and ultimate mm-hmm. nihilism. And I have to say that there are many gays and lesbians who feel the same way. Mm-hmm. They're thankful for being gay and lesbian or bisexual. They're thankful for it. They have a beautiful family life. They've, you know, wonderful relationships, they're fully functional, they're psychologically healthy. Um, but they but they, 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 they can't identify. They can't identify with a, with, with with that. Mm. Um, so yeah. It seems like this the queer theory ideology that the and the 
I guess the the pushing of boundaries and in in terms of mm-hmm. LGB, the T, the Q, the plus mm-hmm. is an exploitation of a vulnerability because it relies on some grain of truth. It relies on maybe not even a grain of a, a slice of truth that there's been oppression in these areas. And even as you describe this difficulty with yourself, this difficulty wrestling internally with your own sexuality. And so yeah. um, it seems that people with that experience and groups with that experience will have something that's easy to exploit and push further. And and yeah. that perhaps that's what's yeah. happening. Do you see it that way? Yeah. In other words, it's, um, you know, t- taking their own internal struggles and their own historical, historical suffering, organizing around that, um, and making it a bone of contention, never adequately resolving their own internal struggles and their own resentment for what they have gone through. Absolutely. Right. Because it could say to you, well, who's to say you aren't still repressing yourself? You were repressing yourself then. Why not liberate yourself further and continue? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I'm, I, I am possibly repressing myself to some extent, and I'm also sublimating my repression because I know that excessive expression of sexual behavior leads to harm. I know it. Mm. Don't we all repress ourselves when we realize that um, I might have diabetes. So eating something sweet might just put me over, just push me over the edge. Mm-hmm. We all repress to some extent. Repression mm-hmm. itself is not a bad thing, but being aware of what, what you repress, why you repress it, and having the internal mechanism to adequately soothe yourself so that the repression isn't a cause for unnecessary suffering. That is, in my opinion, a very healthy state of being. Mm-hmm. And we do it all the time. Oh, you know, those of us who are, you know, less crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all crazy to some extent. <laughs> you know. You're um, describing the process of having good self-discipline. Good self-discipline while having a good and supportive and and you know well understanding internal relationship with, with yourself mm-hmm. that is it mm-hmm. um yeah but it takes you know it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of digging exploration meeting yourself in your past having deep understanding, embracing yourself in your past, understanding why you made the decisions you did. Um, Integration. Allowing yourself to to sink into the pain, allowing yourself to, to, to sink into the vulnerability, being able to also lift yourself out of the vulnerability, encouraging yourself, celebrating yourself i mean that is that is the the kind of flow i would imagine a healthy person would have to have and there's also room for growth by the way it's also room always room for greater insight into yourself Hmm. well i think that that kind of is a very nicely rounded place to (laughs) to (laughs) conclude i have enjoyed speaking with you immensely and I feel like I've learned a lot through this conversation. I know I'm going to play it back and listen to it at least 
a couple of times. So thank you so much for joining me to speak. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It is, look, Leslie, it is always nice to have these discussions. It's not always possible to have them. Mm-hmm. And to have them even publicly, it's not always that easy. No, it's uh, not. But I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your interest. And what the hell, let's do it again. I would love that. I would love that. And, you know, <laughs> speaking of, you know, these kind of conversations, I think that I think about, I think about what's happening in the social movement that we spend mm. so much time discussing. We've got this polarization and a lot of it is process. It's not just the content of what they're talking about. It's the process by which they, and I I say they, but people, people (laughs) are tending to shut down Mm. real honest exploration and, and the shutting down of the not allowing of nuanced exploration. And that happens on both sides when something's polarized, it's the similar process that's occurring, you know, even though the content of what they might be disagreeing, they might be in stark contrast, but I think that the process of of allowing for exploration, allowing for curiosity, yes. is is yes. is the counterpoint. Absolutely, curiosity, and also to bring about adjustments. If you realize that, man, maybe here or there, I wasn't, you know, my understanding of reality wasn't that accurate. Mm-hmm. My understanding of reality, and bring about those adjustments. Mm-hmm. Align yourself with reality. Mm-hmm. Make reality your friend. Um, no, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Well, thanks for but being thank willing you. to engage in it. <laughs> absolutely. All right.